Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in. Living Off the Land coming at you, episode 218. I'm Dan here with the returning Steven coming back from, uh, was it the Jersey Shore? I'm back. Back yeah. in the Jersey wait, 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 wait. Isn't it? Wait, isn't it more? I'm back and better than ever. <laughs> the Eric Bischoff theme. Yeah, I just hear uh, myself say... Three minutes? No, you didn't. This podcast will be much longer than three minutes. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, thanks again to uh, former co-host Jordan Gonzalez for filling in for Stephen last week while he was uh, out of town. By the way, how many beers did you guys drink last week? Because there's like six cans all over on the side. Oh, there. that's just no. Yeah, we drank just a few. Not not all those were consumed last week. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, tr- I'm building I'm building up a database of cans from beer beer of the week. So ah, we'll see how. I, I got to find a place to actually like put it to like show it off in the in the studio. So. Excellent. But uh, yeah, Steven's back. Uh, how was your trip? Well, it was a it was a fun trip. Uh, well, the drive out was not so fun. Uh, stopping for like forty minutes at a time at Tesla superchargers is you oh. know kind of a drag. Oh, did you take Matthew's but, uh, car out there? Well, we uh, or your mom's car. My mom's relatively new car that she's only had for about a month. Oh yeah. Uh, we, you know, it's like well. We have to pay high gas prices. They don't have to pay high gas prices, but they got to stop for like 45 minutes every time they, you know, go every three hours or so. So, yeah. it's, you know, so it took us like 11 hours to get there. But, uh, but you didn't have to pay like $400 in gas. Wow. Between that and tolls on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. You know, but uh, be that as it may, uh, this is the first time that my now six-month-old baby, Scarlett, actually got to the beach. And, you know... <laughs> Taking the baby to the beach is often difficult. Like you need to have all your supplies, you need to have your stroller, you need to have your, you know, all your diapers and wipes and stuff and everything. And you just don't know how she's going to react when she gets there. But I got to tell you, she was a trooper, and she barely cried at all on on the aforementioned eleven hour drive too, which is like incredible, <laughs> right? You know. And then she gets to the beach and like she gets her toes in the sand and she's like, "What is this?" And she just kind of pats around for it, and then she does the whole, like, you know, giggle thing when she puts her arms up. And then huh. same thing when she gets into the water, like, the first wave comes in, hits her feet, and it's like, it, this. But mind you, this is very cold water. I don't know why the water was so cold, because we've had so many warm days in June, yeah. but you were talking about water that was in the 60s. Oof. You know? The Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, that's, that's very chilly, but... Uh, she gets in. She's you know doing the same thing. She's just like giggling and everything. The only time she was unhappy was when she was like partially submerged, and then we took her out, and then she was like, you know, how you first get out of a cold body of water, you yeah. know, you feel cold. Well, oh yeah, you know, and then if you're weighed down by a, a wet and you know heavy diaper too, you know, it's yeah, you, know, you can imagine. Yeah. But uh, no, I think everything went pretty well. Um, you know, Aren actually cooked at home two of the nights uh people seem to really like her cooking so we weren't going out every day so we made back a little bit of that toll and gas money that way and uh you know it it wasn't as much of the you know going mini golf going to the boardwalk going to water parks and stuff like that we might be back into that in a few years from now once you know scarlet gets up in age a little more but uh so it was a little more laid back i guess but uh no it was it was great um you know, Ren is just – she's constantly with the baby every day, and I'm, like, doing one job and sometimes two jobs on the same day. So, like, I was actually able to decompress just a little bit. So, um, 
that was all very good. And uh, got back here Saturday, uh, hung out with family whoa, and then whoa, with friends whoa, later whoa, on. Whoa, hold on, hold on. Did, did you hit up the famous Lou Dogs? Uh, yes, 38th Street and Pleasure Avenue in beautiful Sea Isle City, New Jersey. Best buns west of Madrid, That's babe. right. Uh, Steve, Steve's uh, 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 rest in peace, Uncle Lou, uh, very famously has uh, one of the best hot dog stands there is on the, uh, on, in, on the Jersey Shore. His, his old hot dog cart is actually within this building where that houses the business now. Seattle City has this rule where you have to be a military veteran to actually uh, vend on the beach. Okay. And if you if you don't meet that criteria, then you actually there's a few other criteria too, but that's the main one that's kind of, you know, off the wall. Uh, so that means his his son Christian was not able to actually take a beach spot, but uh, so he ended up taking a spot in one of the buildings just off the beach. And, I got to get uh, I got to get to the Jersey Shore just so I can go to Lou Dogs. Yep, his flag is 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 on the ceiling, his uh all sorts of pictures and memorabilia is on the wall in there. It's just it's excellent. Best buns west of Madrid, baby. That was the that was on the shirts for <laughs> that they as workers and they still wear them today. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, f- the best part was that when I went to study abroad in in Madrid in two thousand eight, I actually got to take Lou Dog shirts to Madrid. That, that said slogan. it on there. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I was too cool. Of course, it would be a Stefano man that would say something like that. Yes, that's you know, they're they're. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Is it like a great golf shot? In a word, luscious. Yeah. They're pieces of work, I'll say that. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, uh, so, Steve, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Uh, and uh, let's get into it. So, uh, first off, beer of the week, I am enjoying probably, this is probably the first craft beer I've ever uh, tried. Really? And it's one of, still one of my favorites. Really? really? Yeah, still one of my favorites. And uh, I'm talking about uh, Prosperity Wheat from Market Garden. And uh, if you know me, this is, uh, when I first started getting into craft beer, I would not drink an IPA. In fact, when we started this podcast, this is a well-known story, uh, anytime Jordan wanted to get beer of the week, I told him no IPAs because I won't drink it. Now I drink it because it's very much an acquired taste, and I, I pretty much like anything, but, uh, but wheat beer was, uh, was sort of my doorway into the craft beer uh, world. So, Prosperity Wheat, and uh, they actually they've changed the can uh, over the last few years. It used to be a different color can. Now it's white with gold lettering. I like it. It's a very classic look. It's got the iconic uh, Market Garden Guardians logo on there. Uh, with the uh, the leaves and the hops and the and all that stuff on it's the logo. It's much more plain, but also clean and um, like you said, classic look uh, compared to a lot of the cans we have on yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is, I mean, I just I'm at a loss for words this episode. I don't know what is going on, mm. but I'm at a loss for words to describe this. I mean, it's one of my favorite beers. Not just Cleveland, just anywhere, ever. I mean, I could drink this at any time of the year, any time of the day. It's fantastic. It's a great grilling beer. It's a great uh, summer beer. And uh, just to read off, on Untapped, it 
is 3.7 out of 5 stars. 3.7? That's not even that much. Well, I mean, that's a 7.4 by your rating system, so I guess that'd be okay. So, a little bit of a description. It says, if you've ever spent time in a German beer garden, you know how much they love their wheat beer. Our Bavarian-style Hefeweizen is a satisfying blend of sweet wheat and pale malts, clove, and banana aromatics, and the zesty tang of wheat beer yeast. It's uh, it's one of my favorite beers. It, it always will be. Um, can't go wrong. I haven't drank it as much just because, like, when I first started getting into craft beers, this was, like, the only thing that I drank, and Hefeweizen was, like, the only style that I drank. Um, so I kind of moved away from it uh, over the years, but uh, especially in the summertime when it's hot, I mean, you can't go wrong with a good wheat beer. And since I, I know you're not a real beer, like, obviously you're not a real beer connoisseur. When I say wheat beer... This is like, not like fruity. I guess a little bit fruity. Mm. It's a little bit of a fruity beer. I was gonna say picture blue moon, but I don't think I've ever, I don't think you've ever had a blue moon before. No. So, I don't know why I'm expl- trying to explain it to you. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Market Garden Prosperity Wheat. Uh, this is in the eights for me. This is like a, this is an eight point four. Ah. This is one of my favorite beers. 8.4. That is high praise. 8.4. Yeah, this is one of my favorite beers for sure. Uh, solid mid-eight beer, uh, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep enjoying this. I've got a second here. So I brought I brought, I, I brought some home from our, uh, well, it was July 3rd when we did it, but 4th of July uh, celebrations over at our buddy Casey Cherwin's house. Shout out Casey and Kristen uh, and little Allison uh, for having us on Sunday. And uh, yeah, that that was that was a lot of fun. I know getting back to, I kind of cut you off as you were about to talk about it because I wanted to make sure we uh, we spotlighted Lou Dogs. But, sure, but yeah. So uh, Sunday we got together with some friends. It was cool to see a lot of um, old Strongsville High School friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen some of those some of the some of those people in years. It's it's been a while. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. So. Yes, there was some talk about uh, the yeah. fact that we're only a few years away from our twentieth oh, graduation anniversary. Like, <sighs> are you kidding me? Gross. Like, wow. Gross. <laughs> um, you were you were talking about uh, Scarlett being good at her first uh, foray at the beach and and the ocean. I thought she was actually a tr- also a trooper on Sunday with the fireworks. Oh yeah, because in fact, Ren didn't even want to take her down there, and what. So, Doug was uh, Doug Bride, um, Casey's dad, uh, was setting off some you know makeshift fireworks in the backyard, and I was thinking that shooting off some of those and at such close range that she was going to cry from that. She didn't. No, so she didn't it was, flinch. It was based on that that I said, "Well, wait a minute. Why don't we just take her down to the big show?" And Remba's hesitant, but I was like, "Hey, she's she's earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, let's go." And sure enough, we just lay out the blanket, and she's just kind of. Looking up, kind of wide-eyed at you know all the colors and everything, and yeah. you know, I gotta tell you, when I was that young, well, I don't remember when I was six months, but like <laughs> when I was like three, four, five, I did not like loud noises. Yeah, like I would go to parades and there'd be like fire trucks and stuff like that, and I most like, kids don't. I'd be like ready to go home. Yeah, you know, but it seems like she's not that way. So, yeah, yeah most kids don't, and uh, most dogs don't, which which is hilarious. Oh yeah, dog. Fourth of July is a terrible day for well, a dog owner. Not. Not this dog owner, because he 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 like almost like likes them. Mm. 
So I don't know, I don't know what it is, but uh, champ is champ is a champ when it comes to fireworks. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. It was a good weekend. So, mm. but. That is beer of the week. Uh, definitely go and uh, I, I. I'm pretty sure most people in Cleveland have uh, have tried uh, Prosperity from Market Garden. It is six point six point zero ABV. And uh, here, let me let me actually read another uh, description for it. This comes off. Wait, uh, nope, that's the same one. <laughs> same one I read off mm-hmm. of Untapped. So, all right. Well, anyway, let's get to know another neighborhood. We took a week off for it last week. But we're back in the saddle. We're back at it. Take it away. Yes, we are. So uh, the last few weeks, of course, we were central. In fact, we were the most central of all two weeks ago when we did downtown. Uh, Today, we're venturing back to the southeast side of town. We're going to a neighborhood called Mount Pleasant. This neighborhood is on the southeast side of Cleveland. It actually borders Shaker Heights on its eastern border at East 154th Street. And it extends as far south as Glendale Avenue and Corlett Avenue as far west as East 110th Street, and then the north up to Imperial Avenue and uh, Van Aken Boulevard. Uh, Actually, that northeastern edge of it sort of butts up against the Van Aken District, uh, which is sort of of an up-and-coming area as well, just sort of an extension of Shaker Heights uh, in terms of the residential neighborhood. As for (laughs) Mount Pleasant itself... Okay, I'm just going to be a little bit succinct here. The, a lot of the, the main, the two main roads that go through this neighborhood, uh, Union Avenue is one that goes from west east, and then the other one is Kinsman Avenue, which goes from northwest to southeast, which actually becomes uh, Chagrin Boulevard when you cross over to Shaker Heights. And when we did East Cleveland, we we talked about the border between East Cleveland and University Circle being a very stark divide on Euclid Avenue. Well. Kinsman turning into Chagrin is almost that stark. You almost go from, you know, Shaker Heights, which is a pretty nice community, um, into this neighborhood, and it just basically it just goes downhill quickly. Like I, I looked around, I looked for sites of interest here. There's there's not any real, there's no major transportation links that go through Mount Pleasant, like Opportunity Corridors, well off to the west and northwest of there. There's no highways. Uh, there's not a lot of real points of interest here. The residential neighborhood is actually kind of like lower class and nondescript. I mean, it's not like public housing or anything like you see in Central, but, you know, there's an, if you're not from here, there's really not a huge compelling reason to go here. Um, I guess I, I'm struggling here. Like, I, I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, some people have, you know, said that this – this neighborhood does have potential because some of the, the buildings here are some of the oldest and most historical on the southeast side of Cleveland. But mm-hmm. economically speaking, there's just not a lot of drivers here to really to really do much. Uh, a lot of your investment on the east side of Cleveland right now is going further north to places like Huff, Glenville, uh, and and even Fairfax now, which, which lies to the north. In fact, the Shaker Square area is even starting to see some of that, too, in Buckeye Shaker neighborhood, which is immediately north of here. So it's going to be a little while yet before anybody really, really goes hard into this area, I feel like. But um, I'll just leave it at that. You know, some, Mount Pleasant's just another, just, it's kind of just another area, really. I can't say too much more about it. <coughs> Wham it with the right hand. <laughs> 
you know, you took the week off, so you just feel like you can just kind of got to ease right back into it, right? I mean, you, it's great when you do places like Ohio City and Tremont and downtown and Detroit Shoreway, but like we got to cover every geographical zone, and you know, there, yeah. there's just going to be some that are just you know more boring than others, and I guess this is just one of them. Yeah. So you know, wham with a right hand. Yeah. So there you go. Well, anyway, sorry about that. That probably just burst everybody's eardrums as listening to the show. <laughs> Uh, were you listening or were you just like dozing off when as I was droning? Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So anyway, we have got a summer themed. We just had 4th of July, which is the unofficial grill holiday of the year. And so we are going to do a cookout top five draft. Yes. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. So. Uh, Steve, I will actually let you have the first pick. Okay. So again, now just to be fair, that this is this is top five cookout foods or cookout food items. This is not we're talking about grilling out, but not necessarily items that are made on the grill. Right. So, but I'm gonna go right for the meat with the first pick. The meat. Uh, we're going with burgers. All right. Yeah. Gotta have, gotta have burgers. Uh. Where's the beef? Yeah, where's the beef? Um, just right for the jugular, you know. You just, you know, whether it's medium or you know, completely killed, well done, like my wife likes. Um, you just got what? Yeah, oh yeah. She does not like any red, any pink whatsoever in any burgers, any steaks, any that pork, nothing. Why eat it then? I, I don't know. Like. I will literally like bite into a burger that's like pink or red in the middle, and then she'll be like, "It." The cow is still mooing at you. Uh, no, stop, Iran, <laughs> so. Iran, stop it. That's nonsense. So, eh, that's tomato, <coughs> tomato. But uh, yeah, that's my first choice. You know, just center of the plate. Give me a burger. Yeah. I actually thought you were going to go somewhere different, and maybe you will uh, later in the draft. But that's interesting. It's kind of why that's kind of why I wanted you to go first because, uh, I was trying to guess what your first would be, and you know, burger is the pretty sensical uh, top pick, but mm-hmm. I thought you were going to go different. But we'll see, mm. we'll see, we'll see if you draft what I what I thought. Okay, so I'll let you know after if you did or and did or not. Okay. Well, if you draft it, I'll let you know then. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm big into barbecue. I'm big into smoking meat. I have a smoker. I have a Traeger smoker. Um. On my back patio. And um, so I'm going to go with the thing that I know how to make the most, the thing that I think I'm best at making, whether it's on the grill or uh, smoking it, and that is a rack of ribs. Okay. Uh, So we're staying with the meats. This is going to be pork. For me, I actually like St. Louis-style ribs more than baby backs. I know that's pretty controversial. Um, But I think St. Louis-style, you get a little more bang for your buck. They're meatier. They're bigger. Um, And uh, I just – I just like St. Louis cuts better. Um, but there's nothing like, for me, like, when we're talking about this in this draft, it's it, for me, it's the process. Like, it's not, you're not just opening up the container, like, the the uh, the plastic that the ribs are held in and just throwing it on the grill or throwing it on the smoker. There's, you know, you add your, your seasonings, your rubs, uh, you marinate them, you, uh, you know, do you do that overnight, and then you get the... Uh, you get the smoker ready, and you put the ribs on, and then there's the whole process of cooking the ribs. You cook the ribs until it has a nice bark on it, and then you wrap the ribs, and then you put stuff in the wrap. It's, it's just a whole process. It's a whole smoking barbecue process. I don't want to bore the people who aren't uh, into barbecue, 
But uh, yeah, ribs for me is my number one. And ribs are also a, you know, we're talking about cookout here, and this is, isn't the reason why, but it's just another another caveat to uh, ribs. Ribs is a year-round food because in the wintertime, you can cook ribs in the oven. Oh, absolutely you can. So, um, so yeah, I'm going with ribs. That's my number one pick. Uh, you, that's like your perfect, you know, slow-cooked meat pretty much. I mean, it <laughs> takes hours. you got to trust the process, as you oh, yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so third pick for me. This this is. I mean, well, what's your second about? pick? So this is my second pick, third pick overall. Yep. Uh, so yesterday was uh, the number one competitive eating event of the year. Oh, uh, held at Coney Island. Boy, you're Nathan's going. Boy, famous, you're, you're going basic. Uh, picks one two. Hot dog eating contest, and if we're talking about Fourth of July. We're talking about growing out. I mean, I gotta have hot dogs. I'm going with hot dogs with the third pick, and this Burgers this and is dogs. one where it's like. You know, you can get burger, you can get dog. You can eat both if you want. I mean, if you're hungry. So, you know, they, they actually, for two meat items, actually complement each other pretty well, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And hopefully, and, and hopefully they're not like the really skinny kind. Like, no. Like, it's, it's got to it's gotta be a little bit meaty and juicy on the inside. Hmm. That's that's the best. All beef? Me. Yeah. All beef. Uh, yes. Generally speaking, yeah. that's how Hebrew I'm Nationals doing. are really good. Nathan's, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you know you can get you get into the Viennas from Chicago and all that all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you like a good snap on your hot dog? Uh, I guess I don't really mind too much on that. Yeah. But uh, so when you grill your hot dogs, you like more char on the dog or no? No. No. Not really. I mean, I, I I'll eat it like that, but you yeah. know, I I don't prefer it. Yeah. Okay. So, hot dogs third pick. All right. Well. On to my next selection, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get our first side off the board here. Okay. And I this is a cookout food. I particularly like this grilled over anything else. Okay. Give me a corn on the cob. Mmm, nice choice. Give me a corn on the cob that's grilled, still in the husk. What you do is you pull the husk back. Uh, you cook it. Uh, sorry, I cook it with the husk on to get it cooked and then bef- before it's done get the pull pull the husk back kind of make a little handle for yourself and then put uh a little bit of paprika on the corn uh some parmesan cheese some butter or some people like mayonnaise which is interesting um okay and kind of do it up that way and a lot of people just like salt salt pepper and butter and you can do that too but then put that on the grill just for a little bit, just to finish it off. Give it a little char. Oh gosh, there's nothing better than than slightly charred corn on the on the grill. It's so good, so good. I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, it's certainly as far as veggies go. I remember is, when we one. I remember when we were kids at your parents' house, we would have corn husking parties. Yes. Where like your your mom or your dad. We'd have like twenty yeah, corn be, cobs. Yeah. Dude. It'd be like a Saturday like afternoon and your mom or dad would get back from the grocery store with a just giant bag of, of corn that was still, you know, in the in the husk and everything. She would just drop it at our feet and she's like, All right, husk the corn. Shuck or your, this or your corn. dad would say that. Yeah, shuck the corn. Yeah. Gotta do it. All right. So third round, fifth choice overall. Uh I'm feeling a little bit fruity here because I've got uh, I got got two meats, and as far as fruits go, this this may not be my favorite fruit overall, but it's definitely the one that's most appropriate for cookouts. Yeah, 
particularly when you cut them into the little triangular slices. Oh, you douche. My choice is watermelon. Ugh, it's the best. Watermelon is delish. It's, oh, it's nice, especially when you just bring it out from the fridge and it's or in the cooler and it's cold. Yep. I mean, that's excellent, especially if it's an 80 or 90-something degree day. You know, mm-hmm. that just hits the spots. Great compliment for burgers and hot dogs. You just got to be careful you don't put it too close and, like, you know, get everything soggy on the plate. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, you, you took one of mine there. Gotta be. Love watermelon. Um. All right, my third pick. Uh, I'm going to stay on the veggie train here. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I am going to say grilled zucchini or squash on the grill. Okay. It's absolutely one of my favorites. Um, you could either uh, slice the zucchini into medallions and just place them on the grill grates, or you can have kind of like a little, uh, I don't know what they're called, but the one of those pans that have holes in them that – that you cook veggies on on a grill. Um, zucchini and squash, mix them together, cut them up, and just grill them. A little olive oil, garlic, salt, uh, pepper, and it's just, it's 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 to die for. So that uh, that is my third pick. Yes, zucchini and squash. How about that? Two veggies in a row. I actually don't have any veggies on my tray, and it's debatable as to whether this qualifies as a veggie or not. Actually, it probably doesn't, but... If you're really stretching, maybe it does. Uh, give me potato chips. Okay. And I say this because, like, French fries really don't go all that easily with when you're grilling out. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got burgers or you've got other, you know, meat items, chips go pretty well with that. Uh, whether it be whether it be Lay's, whether it be any other By the kind. Way, this, that's the corn I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Oh. Yep. So good. That corn is excellent. So... Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's a pretty easy compliment to some of the other stuff I picked already. So, uh, yeah, give me chips. Any particular brand flavor? Well, if we're going just, I mean, if we're going strictly potato chips, I would probably say the Wavy Lays are probably my my top choice. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, Shears is probably my second favorite. The you know, shout out Shears, Maslin, Ohio. Okay. Um. Uh, if you're going to all chips, then you got probably Doritos are my number one, especially the Cool Ranch. Got it. Okay. Uh, I am going to take the one that I thought you were going to take. Okay. Just because I know you like this particular food so much. Mm-hmm. Give me a good grilled shrimp skewer. Mmm. Yeah. He's feeling shrimpy. So I thought you were going to pick number one. Interesting. I know you love shrimp. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had it on <coughs> Independence Day, but that's that's an interesting thought there. Well, this isn't an Independence Day cookout top not, five. Not necessarily, you know. It's just cookout right. in general. Yeah. So anyway, shrimp on skewers with uh, some olive oil, uh, whatever seasonings you like. I just like I just like garlic salt, uh, a little bit of pepper. And a squeeze of a lime as you're grilling them over top. Oh. So good. I could eat that right now. So good. Good shrimp skewer. It all depends on what your seasonings and your marinade is with shrimp. I mean, oh, yeah. it's even more so than chicken and some of these other ones. I mean, if you. I do love a good Cajun shrimp, Cajun style shrimp. Mm. Oh. 
Yeah, it's all in the spices, really. I mean, because yeah, I mean, because shrimp, shrimp shrimp's pretty bland. It's, you know, it, it is it really, pretty bland. It really depends. It's on. pretty bland, but it's a it's it's a pretty good canvas. Yeah, for you to paint on. Um, you know, with seasonings and marinades and such, and yeah, you got to find your sweet spot with that. So, but yeah. I love it. It, it cooked right just kissed by the flame you don't want you don't want to keep shrimp on there too long because it gets rubbery that's right um but just kiss it on the flame oh so good Mm. so good kind of goes with all meats you know you don't want to keep it on there too long because then it gets dried out you know especially with with shrimp and fish it happens quicker than it does tell your wife that yeah right right jeez (laughs) well to see how scarlet likes her meat that's going to be uh that's yeah. going to be family tiebreaker, I guess. Yeah. Might be some family wars on with that subject. Mm-hmm. Anyway. What's your number we're four? We're down to the fifth pick. Oh, you got, yeah, that's right. You're fifth. So it's got to be a dessert. And I've got three. It does? i got three choices written down here. Does it have to be um, a dessert? Oh, it doesn't technically, but, I mean, I've already got two meats. I've already got a fruit. I mean, it could be a veggie, but, like, you've already taken two of the best veggies, so I'm not going to go that route. So give me some just straight sugar here. And, you know, I could go with two ways you could go here. You could go with, like, the served cold, like, not as heavy dessert, or you could go with the one that's just straight carbs, and it's just amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to go the latter route. I'm going to go with chocolate brownies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Give me brownies. You know, this this is a day where I'm not I'm not counting calories. I never count calories, actually, but so a lot of some people do. You know, I'm not I'm – not, on I any, should any keto diet or anything like that, you know. Just you know, I probably keto. All, I probably only ran my six or seven miles earlier today. So like, we're 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 going straight carbs. We're going straight sugar. Give me the chocolate brownies, preferably with chocolate chips in them. That is luscious. In a word, luscious. All right, interesting. Now you got my brain working because. We didn't set parameters on like you had to have a grill, a veggie, a fruit, a dessert. Didn't set those parameters. Nah, but now I'm I mean, thinking I gotta, huh? You don't have to go that route. You could be all about the meat. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh-uh-uh-uh. Uh boy. You know what? I am gonna go dessert. Okay. I just thought of it. So my mom makes this. This uh, dessert, she used to always make it when we were little, usually for cookouts. It was called dirt. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Dirt sounds disgusting. It is delicious. (laughs) It is an Oreo-based dessert. Oreo, whipped cream, uh, uh, whatever else you put in there, I don't know. I don't even know what's in there. Some some people put gummy because it's called dirt. Some people put gummy worms in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is so epically good. Dirt, dirt. Try it. Pretty much anything with Oreos in it is a winner, as far as I'm oh, concerned. Yeah. Particularly if it's the double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> is there any other kind? I not as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> not not since they invented it. Once they invented it, it's like. Regular Oreos? I mean, you might as well be thin Oreos. Right. <laughs> so, and also, I got to say, people people like to eat thin Oreos because, like, oh, they're, like you said, counting calories. If you're eating an Oreo, you're eating an Oreo. Right. Like, what's the difference it's going to make thin? That's oh, going to be, like, couple... five points on Weight Watchers anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. like, what difference does it make? Yeah. So, anyway, we're out. We're out on thin Oreos. 
Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna go Oreo, go Dagwood. So. I mean that's that's it. If you're pretty much desserts in general, if you're gonna have a dessert, have a dessert. Yeah. Do not like half guilt yourself out of it. Exactly. And if you're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna talk about this in a little bit. But the uh, the Guardians are just getting absolutely smashed right now. No, oh, jeez. It's eleven to two. Our ice cream and our popsicles are melting over here. Jeez, yeah. oh man. Yeah, my goodness gracious. Popsicles was actually the other uh, dessert I was thinking of. I guess that's my first honorable mention. You know, because ice cream is just a little bit difficult. Like, you know, unless you're actually going out to get it. But, again, if you're at home, it's like, you know, normally you have to, like, scoop it out or it's got to be, like, put in a cup. You know, it's just popsicles are a lot easier. So that's what I was thinking there. And then some of the meat meat items we didn't even mention. Um, Grilled chicken, pulled pork we didn't mention. Uh, Bratwurst we didn't mention. Grilled chicken's boring. Mm-hmm. Pulled pork is good. That's another. That's another one of the barbecue and smoking variety. Um, yeah, and then yeah, brats, kielbasa, sausage, all that's on there. That's. I mean, you could put. You could throw that on the list. Uh, what else? I'm. 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 Steaks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're a big baller, yeah. <laughs> How do we forget steaks? Um, it's not in our income bracket, but you know. Well, I mean. If you're doing it once, once, twice out of the year, anybody anybody can afford a good steak. True. But uh but yeah, so that now is if you uh, shop at certain grocery stores, well like I mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and, and it also it depends on the cut of steak you're getting. I mean if you're going big, you're going bone and ribeye, you're going Porterhouse or uh, Filet. Yeah. Filet. <laughs> oh. I'm just not a filet fan. Oh. It's not I don't know. I just so you're probably not a fan of Porterhouse then either, because that's filet and strip. Yeah, I, the bone I mean, and ribeye. Bone and ribeye's the king. Bone and ribeye's the king. Yeah, it's the absolute king. That's one area where Ren agrees with you. I mean, she loves the bone and ribeye. You have to have the ribeye every time the, we go to Texas with the spinal with the spinalis or the or, or the or the 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 cap on it. That's the best. That's the most tender. That's the most tender, juiciest piece of beef you will eat. Oh. That's right. Where's the beef? So anyway, that's our top five uh, cookout foods. Let us know uh, whose list you think is best and what we missed, because I'm sure we missed a ton of stuff, because everybody's, everybody's got their different favorites. So, um, yeah. That's... Grilled pierogies, anybody? Moving on. Uh, that is the top five draft cookout style. And uh, we we move forward. Man, or I am like I, I or perhaps I cannot like find words today. My is brain it, is is it the heat and humidity that's like frying your brain? Because no, I I actually feel similarly. I've been feeling like no, tired I don't much think of the so. day. I think it's I think it's because I think it's because we had the long weekend. Today was the first day back at work after you're just after really holiday. slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll get through this episode, but uh, but yeah. So anyway, uh, the aforementioned guardians. Um, are getting their tails Yeah, you mentioned moving forward. Uh, by these the guys tigs. Are, these guys are moving backwards now. Oh, boy. Uh, we've lost. This will be three, five out of six. This One, will three be. three out of five before that, but then before that they had a sweep. Um, so going back, to, so going back to when we said it was going to be probably the stretch where we thought it was going to make or break the Guardians as contenders or pretenders, 
They won two out of three in Minnesota, got swept by the Red Sox, so that's two and four. Won three out of five against the Twins, so that's five and five and six. Five and six. Uh, lost two out of three to the Yankees, so that's six, six and, and eight. eight, and have lost three in a row to the Tigers. Which you'd figure six and eight during that stretch is not the end of the world, no, given the teams that are playing. But but it's now six. Why, and, that's now six and eleven. Yeah, see, like if we were recording this forty-eight hours ago, following their two to nothing win over the Yankees on Sunday, I would be feeling actually pretty, pretty good. good. What in the world is going on this series, though? Like, no the idea. Tigers are terrible. Like yeah. this, this should have been like where the Guardians started to win again. Instead, now they're looking like they're going to drop their third game in a row here. Yeah, bad, very bad. Yeah, not good. It, it hasn't been a good stretch, and and it and it comes after a stretch where, um, you know, they were one of the hottest teams in baseball there for a few weeks. You know, they were beating up on bad teams, and you know, we can't say that hey, they're just they're just in a stretch where they're playing a bunch of good teams because they've just they're they're losing three three in a row to the Tigers. You know, that's, but but I mean, this is awful. this is basically what this baseball team is. It's a 500 baseball team. You know, we got excited when they went on this run and they took over first place for a couple days, and now they're coming back to reality. They're going to be 40 and 39 after today, and that's basically what they are. They're a 500 baseball team. It's what we said at the beginning of the season before the season started. Um, I actually had them a little under 500. Uh, my brother Mike had them a little over 500. So you know, they're right. They're right in there. I had them at seventy five and eighty seven. That's so I had them at I, I was maybe wins, selling yeah. them a little bit short, actually. But, well, I mean, we'll see yeah. because if they're going to draw, if they're going to get swept by the Tigers, yeah, uh, who knows? You know. Like, wh- where do you go from there? You know, the series concludes tomorrow, but uh, yeah, this this is bad. I mean, the Tigers came into this series thirty and forty seven. Yeah, and we're going into the All Star break, right? When is the All Star break? The All Star break, I believe, begins after. No, actually, hold on. The All-Star break is not until the 18th. Oh, it's late this year. Yeah. Uh, isn't Usually isn't the second week of July? It is usually. Yeah. It, so. it's And, you know, this was a stretch that you thought that the Guardians were primed to make up ground and not lose it before the All-Star break because, again, you got four against the Tigers, three against Kansas City, then four against Chicago White Sox, and then four more against the Tigers again, the latter two of those series at home. Yeah. I mean, that's 11 games against the Tigers and the Royals. You know? And you're starting off with three straight losses. If you go under 500 in that stretch, that's bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Period. I mean, you're not not a playoff caliber team if you're doing that. No, no, it's bad, man. Really bad. And, uh, you know, what's – what is um, a little bit disconcerting is – the recent play of Jose Ramirez, he just looks like he's completely lost it. Now, I think he's hurt because he had that thumb issue, which caused him to miss a couple games uh, about a week, 10 days ago. Personally, I think they should put him on the IL because uh, it's obvious that it's bothering him. Now wouldn't be a bad time to do it. You're within two weeks of the All-Star break. Right. So... That's upsetting. And, and then all the other bats have gone cold, too. Theoretically, uh, yeah. I mean, you look at the, the run totals. If you go back to, oh, gosh. You go back to the first game against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. This is the last seven, uh, the last six games. Here, here are your run totals. Four, one, two, f- one, three, two. Yeah. And 
the third two was actually a two nothing win. So you could have actually gone winless during that whole stretch. Yeah. They can't hit. I mean, we knew that going into the season, but they've been pleasantly surprising us at certain points of the season. They can't hit right now at all. Nobody's no. hitting. And right now they're not pitching very well either because I mean, they've given up 11 runs to the Tigers tonight. Yeah, aside from the the game where they blanked the Yankees, which actually that's really impressive given that the Yankees are 58 and 22. Yeah. Um they gave 13 to the Yankees, then 6. Then the first two the first two games of the Tigers weren't that bad. They gave up 4 and 5. You'd figure more often than not you'd you'd win one of those games, but again, the team's just not hitting right now. And then tonight they've the wheels have completely come off. They gave up 11 runs tonight. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this this almost kind of sounds like, you know how the Browns would have one game and they would do great, and then the next week we're, like, having a pity party because they just completely blew it the next week. I mean, that kind of feels like what's going on with the Guardians because two weeks ago we were, like, thinking much bigger than we were at the start of the season, and now, you know, reality has just smacked us in the face here. Yeah, it's gut check time for this team. Uh, if they want to, if they want to do anything this season, if they want to have a chance uh, in the second half of the season to uh, to possibly win the division or uh, get a wild card spot, uh, I know it sounds like we're too down on the team right now because uh, I don't think they're very far out of the wild card, and the Twins I don't think are running away with anything this year. I think they're still only three and a half games down in the division, yeah. so it's by with, no with plenty means. of games against the Twins to play. But I'll tell you what, given the teams that are coming up here where you get all these games against the Royals and the Tigers before the All-Star break, you you got you cannot continue to fall further behind because once you get out of the All-Star break, listen to this. They have a road trip where they start against the White Sox for four. Then they go to Boston for four. Yep. Then they go to Tampa for three. Then they come back home, but, oh, wait a minute. They have to play the Yankees. Ugh. So, you, oh, no, wait a minute. The, 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 wait, the month just cycled back around on me. <laughs> that was not right. Stupid MLB. I think we're done with the Yankees, aren't we? We should be done with the So, that's the end. So, you have the White Sox, you have Boston, you have Tampa. That's all on the road. After that, you come home, you play Arizona. I don't know if they're any good or not, but then you have to play Houston for four games after that. So, there's your second hell stretch, basically. Yeah. Right after the All Star break, so this the Guardians have better sort out whatever's going on like right away because if this stretch turns into like a five and ten run going into the All Star break, they might be done after if they if they get pounded by Boston and Tampa and Houston. You might on August seventh after the last game against Houston, they could be like ten games under five hundred, and it might be over. Yeah, and that'll probably make their decision easy about whether they're going to be. Uh, buyers, sellers, or Stan Pat at the trade deadline. I mean, th- I, I don't think they're going to be sellers. They, the Guardians really don't have anything to sell. Um, the only the only piece that you would probably, if if they're out of contention by the trade deadline, uh, you're probably on Shane Bieber watch as far as the trade. Boo. Yeah, probably. Um, but other than that, I don't, there's nothing really to sell. Every, everything you've got is young and under team control for several years and now you've got jose ramirez locked up so more than likely if they're not in contention the guardians will probably just stand pat and more than knowing the the dolan's history 
because I know they announced the new minority uh, owner, but I don't think that's going to affect anything this year. Um, the, they're probably going to stand pat. So, you know, see what happens. This is this is gut check time for them for uh, for the rest of the season. You know, we're only halfway through, and it seems kind of hyperbolic to say because there's so much baseball still left. But and Terry Francona's teams historically are second half teams, but. That's one thing that does make me feel a little bit good, but again, this series is very unnerving. I just hope that it's a it's yeah. An I mean, it's and they get over it again. We have to look at it through the lens of reality. This is the you know this is the youngest team in Major League Baseball. This is actually if if this Guardians team were playing in Triple A baseball, they'd be the youngest team in Triple A baseball. Wait. Yes. Really. Yes. We don't have a. Outside of Brian Shaw and I think maybe one other relief pitcher, we don't have a single player that's over 30. So you mean the Buffalo Bison and the Louisville Bats and you know all those? Columbus Clippers. Columbus Clippers. They're all on aggregate older than the Guardians? That's, yeah. wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Makes you wonder if baseball had an equivalent of soccer's FA Cup, like – would some of these AAA teams, you know, how how would they do in a competition huh. like that? Or even like you go all the way down to A, like the the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, you know, could they in a one out game could they beat the Yankees? Like I I don't know, but like, probably not. But in a word, never know. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd but, love uh, to see a competition like that. It'll never happen, but like <laughs> that right. would be neat. Right. So yeah, it's gut check time for the guards. Uh, they they got to figure out what to do with Jose, uh, whether they put him on the injured list or, you know, whether he can snap out of this. I don't know what is going on with Miles Straw. I mean, Terry, it's time it's time to pull the plug. I mean, you got to sit him for a few games because he, you can't have your center fielder batting two hundred under two hundred. You can't do it. No, can't do it. Um, and then they just boot the ball all over the diamond. I mean, they just. What well, was it yesterday? Yesterday they booted two two balls in the infield that essentially cost them the game, uh, and they do it a lot. They're not a good fielding team. They're just not. No. And some of that comes with their age. They're young, and some of that is just that they're not good fielders. And because the team has such a small payroll, you don't have a lot of options, and you're trying to fit a bunch of square pegs in, in round holes. I mean this this organization has a friggin' army of infield prospects. They've no, they've no, no outfield. So you're putting guys in the in the in the outfield that should be in the infield. You're you, you know you're moving guys around. It's just you put playing Owen Miller at first base. Owen Miller's not a first baseman. It's it's just, it's rough. It's rough. You know. You know if all of these guys that they were moving around position wise were all like batting 300 or you know hitting 30 home runs. Then yeah, you would sort of sacrifice the the fielding side of it just to get their bats in the lineup. But yeah. I'm not we're, we're not seeing that, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that I don't understand. So we'll see. I have faith in Terry Francona, um, and uh, you know hopefully they get this turned around and uh, get back on the right track heading into the second half of the season. So anyway, uh, this is going to be a shorter episode of the show. Uh, but I do want to touch on the Cavaliers for a second. <laughs> have you? I know you're not huge on social media, but 
have you heard of have you heard of the uh the Brian Windhorse meme that's going around? No. Okay. So Brian Windhorse is on first take and uh you know, they were talking about the whole Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets saga that's going on and, and all that stuff and uh he brought up the fact that uh five minutes after Kevin Durant announced uh his trade request from the Brooklyn Nets, he mentioned he's, he's like oh, he's like uh there was a. Do you guys see what the, he's like? He's like. Do you guys see what the Utah Utah Jazz? I gotta sneeze. <laughs> Dan shutting it down just like they did. Excuse me. Wow. Sorry. Um, Shut it the down. Yeah. All right, John. Um, he's like. Do you guys see what the Utah, Utah Jazz did? Probably wouldn't notice this trade if, if uh, unless you're a Utah Jazz fan or Brooklyn Nets fan. Brooklyn Nets fan. Utah Jazz traded Royce O'Neal, who. You know, nobody. He's not an all-star, but solid three-point shooter, defend defender. They traded him to Brooklyn Nets for a future first-round pick, and he's like, "Why would they do that?" Quinn Snyder, why do you walk away from that job? Hmm. Their new head coach gave him a five-year contract. NBA teams don't ever give first first-time head coaches five-year contracts. No. Why do they do that? And he's like, he's like, you remember, you remember, uh, you remember Danny Ainge's uh, first move after you hired Brad Stevens? What did he do? Traded away Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. <laughs> so he's like, and then and then the the uh, uh, the Rudy Gobert trade goes down. Rudy Gobert gets traded to the Timberwolves last weekend. What a ridiculous trade that is. For just a mountain of first-round picks. Basically what he was saying was <laughs> the Utah Jazz were basically going to try and become uh, the Boston Celtics. You know, when, when Boston uh, amassed just an absolute war chest of draft picks. Of picks, yeah. And he's like, he's like that. He's like, he's like, yeah. Boston hired Brad Stevens, first-year head coach, was coaching a mid-major school in college, gave him a six-year contract. Nobody does that in the NBA. He was equating that to what Utah did with their coach, five-year contract. So this is a coach who happened to take said mid-major school to two straight national championship games, Yeah, which is incredible. Um, so anyway, all that to bring, bring another – that was just the uh, – that was just a video viral clip that that went on uh, last week with uh, Brian Windhorst. Um, to bring us to another Windhorst clip, which caught eyes in Cleveland, because he's like, he's I can't remember which ESPN show he was on, but he's like, he's like, I'll give you a conspiracy theory. Watch what the Cleveland Cavaliers. This was two weeks ago. Watch what the Cleveland Cavaliers do over the next two weeks. He's like they're gonna they're gonna uh, sign Darius Garland to a max contract. That's going to happen. That's, Check. Yeah. And he said, he said, uh, let's see what they let's see what happens with Colin Sexton and uh, Karis LeVert. If they don't sign if they don't sign uh, Colin Sexton or Karis LeVert to long term extensions over the next few weeks, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they're tr- they're trying to hoard uh, cap space for 2023. And he didn't. He didn't mention this, but there's another thing that's been that's been going on. LeBron James has not signed a contract extension with the Los Angeles Lakers. He's not gonna. Hmm. Hmm. 
I would bet good money on that. He's not going to. Act three, perhaps? Yeah. The third act? Is it happening? I don't know for sure that that's going to happen, but that is... You have to consider it as a legit possibility. Why else would the Cavs be protecting potential cap space in 2023? They're not going to sign free... There's one free agent that will willingly go to Cleveland. There's one. And he's arguably the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. That's LeBron, Ramon, James. It's, it's, now, we could post this episode tomorrow and the Cavs could announce a five-year, $100 million contract extension for Colin Sexton. Yeah, it could happen. Who knows? But Windhorse was like, That'd be a sweet deal for a guy who didn't even play the previous season. (laughs) Yeah. But Windhorse was like, watch. He's like, usually these deals come together right when they're allowed to. He's like, why wouldn't the Cavs sign Colin Sexton right when they would be uh, able to when free agency opens? Because they don't want to sign him to a long-term contract. Karis LeVert. You know what's interesting? Yeah. Karis LeVert, we traded a, fir- a, per- a first-round pick and Ricky Rubio for Karis LeVert. We just re-signed Ricky Rubio, and we didn't send that first-round pick to the Pacers because it was lottery-protected, and we ended up drafting uh, Ochai Abaji. That's what you call good business. We got Karis LeVert for free. That's effectively when a um, player leaves a soccer club and, and guy just another club just gets him on a free transfer. Free That's transfer. basically what that was. Yeah. The Pacers just wanted them off their books. So, Karis LeVert has not been signed to a contract extension. Colin Sexton has not been signed to a contract extension. And neither has LeBron James. What do you think the Cavs should do with Sexton and LeVert? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, at this point, I'm not even sure I'd even re-sign Karis LeVert. Well, LeVert's under contract for this year. So, beyond this year. He has that, he has the contract. So, I think he plays with the Cavaliers this year. Um, because I think he, the cat playing for his own, you know. Oh yeah, he's playing for a contract. He he's going to be more motivated so. this year than than it. I would suspect that Karis Levert might have his best year as a pro this year, which would be great for us. It wouldn't surprise me. Great for us. Um. Yeah, I would. Um, honestly, so in that vein, does that mean that Darius Garland is going to have his worst career as a pro? No, that Darius Garland. No, 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 no. Because he got paid. Darius Gar. No, yeah. <laughs> Darius Garland got a taste of superstardom last year, and I think he liked it. I think he's that's good. What's going to motivate him? Um, I think for me, if that conspiracy th- theory is any anywhere ch- to be true, I think you let Karis Levert play out his final year, and then if he has a monster year, you try and you try and resign him in the off season. Um, boy, Colin Sexton. I don't know what you do with Colin. I would like to have him back, but sign him to a one-year contract. No, he would never accept that. Well, if his other option is not playing, well, I mean, somebody, no, somebody's going to sign him. So what's going to happen is somebody's going to sign him to an offer sheet, and then it's the Cavs are going to have forty-eight, forty-eight hours to match or not. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um, supposedly the Mavericks are interested in Sexton, so we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, I don't know with Colin, man. I don't know. Do you do you take the 
because like you said, he didn't. He basically didn't play last year. So signing him to a long-term contract extension is risky. Are you willing to take that risk at the expense of possibly bringing LeBron back again next year? It almost reminds me of the Carlos Boozer situation where the Cavaliers had this handshake deal with him and, and then he just walked and signed a humongous offer sheet with Utah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of – you have to sort of figure, okay, we want this much space, but, like, if we can get the player for this amount, then great. You know, how much value do you place on somebody like LeBron James who's going to be 38 next year? Granted, that's a younger 38 than pretty much anybody ever. So, 39. He's going to be 39. He's 38 now, I think. I thought he was two years older than me, but maybe I'm off. Is he? Thought. Let's see. Let's go on the Googles. But in either case, 38, 39, I mean, it's kind of the same deal, you know. Most most athletes are done with their careers at 38 or 39. But LeBron, LeBron be, James is superhuman. LeBron so. will be. LeBron will be 38 on December 30th. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. By the time <laughs> Here's the thing, the... though. Here's the thing. Like, we talk about, especially in the NBA, 37, I mean, you're you're winding down. This guy averaged damn near 38 and 8 last year. He's not slowing down. Yeah, okay, maybe he can't, like, hit his head on the rim when he tries to dunk anymore, but he's still, if he's not the best basketball player on the planet still, he's in the top two or three. I mean, he's not like – he's not – to me, he's not slowing, he, at least not yet. I mean, now, I say that with a caveat because he has had some injuries over the last few years, so there is that. Maybe he just starts – his body starts breaking down that way, but when he's healthy, he's still he's still one of the – playing at an all-time Hall of Fame level. I mean – that's actually a heck of a top five future top five uh, topic. Who are the players that you would take on your team before LeBron James? Oh. You know, I don't even know if we would have ten. I mean, you'd have no you'd, way we'd have ten. Well, you'd have to ha- you'd have to set a time time frame on it. Like, are we talking for the next ten years? Are we talking for the next three years? We're we talking about today. Yeah. If we're talking if we're talking for the next three years, I mean, the only the only players that I would probably take over LeBron would be like Giannis. And he and he would fit into the ten year category also because he's only twenty seven, twenty eight. I was thinking, yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo definitely, uh, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, maybe Joel Embiid. Like those, those are the kinds of guys that that would come to mind. Steph Curry, Embiid. See, that's the guy. As much as it pains me to say, that's. But if you're the Cavaliers, and I know this is going to sound hyperbolic but do you take Steph Curry because you have Darius Garland on the roster See, I'm not the- saying the Cavs would I'm not considering the Cavs roster when I say this. Okay. So this is like hypothetically if you're building a team right now got it because yeah. I mean LeBron plays the position that the Cavs need the most and that's wing Yeah. so and I just want to say this I just want to get this off of my chest all the people that are out there that say oh I don't want LeBron back again he left us twice uh, I want to win without LeBron you guys obviously don't understand how hard it is to win an NBA championship. 
No. You have no idea how hard it is to win an NBA championship. And you have no reason to be spoiled because we won it one time in 52 years. No, but it's just this whole, like, this whole, oh, he left us twice. Like, I want to win without him. Of course I would love to win without him. But you know what I when I like doing better? Just winning. Win. I mean, my God. If you throw last year's LeBron James on last year's Cavs, they win the NBA championship. And I'm not speaking... Again, I'm going to use that word. I'm not speaking in hyperbole. The Boston Celtics were probably the worst Eastern Conference team to get to the NBA Finals since the 07 Cavs. They had no business getting to the Finals with the with the people that were out injured for the other teams. Mm. They never would have gotten by uh, Milwaukee if Chris Middleton was was wasn't injured. Yeah, probably no not. chance. No chance. And Miami was battling injuries the entire time. I mean. Jimmy Butler had to scratch and claw to get himself on the court in that series. Uh, Kyle Lowry missed a couple games. Tyler Hero was hurt. Like, they had a bunch of injuries. So if you put LeBron, last year's LeBron, 37 years old, on this year's Cavs team that burst onto the scene and had two All-Stars and who I think was the rookie of the year, got it absolutely stolen from him, I think the Cavs won the title last year. Because that the Warriors team, I give them all the credit in the world for coming back after they had all those injuries, after they they won all those titles. Like they shouldn't have been motivated to 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 win this NBA title this year, but they came back and they won it. That that worried. The Cavs, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen teams would have swept that Warriors team in the finals this year. That was not an all time great Warriors team at all. I don't know about the eighteen Cavs, but the fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen Cavs definitely would have. Yeah. So, I just the people who say that oh, I don't want LeBron get that get, get your head. I here. would be wo- so get this is turning ass. it into a different argument a little bit, but I would be willing to bet that the vast majority of people who don't want LeBron back are the same people that don't want Deshaun Watson on the Browns. I think there's a lot of overlap between between those two. What? What do you mean? How so? Because uh, I think that there are there is a subset of fans and I swear we're not talking politics here but there are there's a non um, negligible portion of the Cavaliers fan base who doesn't like LeBron for reasons other than on the court and I mean because of his personal beliefs and some of the stuff that he does within the community see I actually think those people want Deshaun Watson See that's that's hyperbolic to other, me because that would around. mean that people w- who would be sacrificing a chance to win in basketball would be going all gung ho, win at all costs in football. Yeah, but despite like, the fact that but, all the things that Sean Watson is facing. Yeah, but like but like you said, but you're you're looking at it you're looking at it two different ways to get to the same conclusion. You're the political aspect of LeBron is why I think Deshaun people or the people that and again. Like you said, we're not getting into politics, but the political aspect that we want to keep LeBron off the Cavs is the same ones that want Deshaun Watson on the field for the Browns. It's two different, like it's two different things. Like we're not talking about like LeBron being like, you know, doing anything illegal. Like I don't know how to, I don't know how allegedly to some of the stuff that has been said about Watson. Said about Watson. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say it without getting really political, but yeah. Um, yeah, I. To me, it's just I, people. To me, more so, it's just people like 
don't know, people like to hold a grudge. There are still some people out there that are like pissed that LeBron left the first time. Yeah, who were not okay with him coming back in 2014. And you figured them yeah. winning the title would have, you know, that would have been done and dusted. But yeah, boy, some people just don't, uh, they don't let things die. No, and and shouldn't the ult shouldn't the ultimate um, shouldn't the ultimate goal just be winning at, by any forms necessary? Right. Uh, like, who cares who's on the team? And by that metric, the Browns did the right thing by signing Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And yeah, I. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's a weird dynamic, but the only, uh, I only did want to mention Deshaun Watson in passing here, mostly because the the front page, not just the sports page, the front page of the Plain Dealer on Sunday actually had articles about families in Cleveland being houses divided over the Deshaun Watson situation. Some saying that you know, yeah, it's win at all costs. This is a business, you know. Winning is what's most important in the NFL, and then you have the other side saying, like, well, now, wait a minute. This guy is accused of all these things. He's sleazy. He's this. He's that. I don't want him on my football team. And it's just, you know, we don't need to go back into that. Like, we've gone that rabbit hole ten times. But I think it was interesting that, you know, on July 4th weekend, of all things, that's what the plane dealer put on the front page. And full disclosure, if if this was even a few hours later, there'd be events down in Summit County that would have completely consumed that. But you know that was that was before that story broke. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, the whole Deshaun Watson situation is still very, uh, very sensitive. Um, I think there are people out there, both for and against him on the Browns, that that like that like. Make their opinions known without understanding what actually is going on. Like there are people out there that think like that that are voicing their opinions, thinking like Deshaun Watson is a rapist. Because everything's black and white nowadays, Dan. Well, I, you know, he, well, he he literally either, either has, he's like well, he, no, he literally has not been charged with anything close. He wasn't even accused of anything close to rape. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that people are just you know. It, I mean, it's the same thing in politics and it's the same thing here. You know, the people just, they're so black and white, so extreme left, extreme right, just in, well, yeah, in how they country, interpret things. That's a country we just, live in today. They just latch on to one Unfortunately. little Unfortunately. If you read the, the entirety of the articles and, and reading all the Twitter timelines of this whole situation, you could very easily, very easily come up with the conclusion of, oh, Deshaun Watson's a rapist. And nothing could ever dissuade you off of that. Or Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong. He's not been charged with anything criminally. And nothing could move you off that. You know, it's just, it's amazing. People just, they get into these camps and they just, they will not budge. They won't even like, it's the point well, where, the, the, I don't know if it's true in this case because it's a sports, but, you know, there are some topics where people are literally unfriending people in real life because of their beliefs. Are, and it's just. It's people bad. are ridiculous. The difference is. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying this is what I believe. There's a chance that Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong. There's a chance. Yes. There's no chance that he's a rapist because he wasn't accused of that. Mm. He was accused of sexual misconduct. He wasn't even accused of assault. So, no, he's literally he's not a rapist. <laughs> like, he's not. He was accused of sexual misconduct, which he was never criminally charged. Those charges were, they, you know, uh, two grand juries uh, refused to press charges on him. So, 
We're only like two weeks, what is it, three weeks now before training camp? Yeah, so I think we're going to hear about a possible discipline. Well, not a time here. you got to make a decision the week, soon. the week of training camp when they're supposed to report. I think that's when we're going to hear something. Oh, great. A lot, of, a lot of people. A lot of people. Well, a lot of people were saying that. Uh, well, so they're rushing this process. So, like, if this was an actual like criminal proceeding, would take a whole like that, season, probably. Well, yeah, but like they're they're working on a on a on a, on a uh, negotiated deadline. Basically, the NFL wants it uh, tidied up before training camp. Obviously, the Browns and Sean Watson want it tidied up before training camp. That way, that you know they can move on with with anything. So, I mean. There's still a possibility that the NFLPA and the NFL come to a settlement. That can happen at any time. Or they could abide by what Judge Sue Robinson uh, recommends as discipline, which I think we'll hear about uh, the week of July 25th, which is the week that uh, training camp starts. Hmm. There was there was talk that we were going to hear something uh, last Friday just because people said, oh, news dump, holiday weekend, you know, that sort of stuff that the, that the NFL does all the time. But the hearing concluded Thursday, and then supposedly they both sides have to file their briefs with the judge by July 11th, and then they're saying that she'll probably take 10 to 14 days to formalize uh, her opinion on discipline after she receives the briefs from the NFLPA and the NFL. Well, so. well 14 days after July 11th is July 25th, the day players yeah. are supposed to report. Yeah, so that week. So I think training camp starts July 27th, I think. Hmm. So, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Pretty much. Episode 218 in the books. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you as always. Uh, welcome back, Steve. Uh, appreciate you being here. Episode 218. You can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. And uh, for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye.